I know what you're gonna do, Charmer. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce the episode. You're gonna be annoying. I know it's gonna happen. I'm not so. gonna do anything. I be don't awesome. believe you. <laughs> all right. I'm a little drunk. It'll be all right. Excellent. All right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special episode of Hot Dogs and Caviar. Today is the first ever special Hot Dogs and ca- Hot Dogs and Caviar Cocktail Hour. Uh, we are re- <laughs> we are recording at night. It is nine thirty in the evening, and we are just getting started. Uh, Tarver had the brilliant idea. Uh, first off, we just had a hard time getting together with him in the mornings. But Tarver yeah. had the brilliant idea. Let's have an episode party and have yeah. drinks. So that's <laughs> happening. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, you're, wel- you're welcome. So uh, we are. Go- this is going to be perhaps even a little more loosey goosey than our normal, extremely regimented, scripted, highly disciplined format. Uh- <laughs> if you can keep up, keep up, then you're well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, once again, of course, obviously, we have the uh, inimitable uh, Tarver uh, Super King King uh, on with us, uh, and it's just fantastic. Everyone knows the episodes are a lot more fun when he's here. Uh, just because <laughs> and I are honestly not that interesting, guys. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's just one of those things. Um, I mean, I'm good at filling a lot of empty air, just not with a lot of stuff. I just come in here and vomit cotton candy. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll probably cut that out. That wasn't that funny. Um, or maybe I'll leave it in because that made it funnier. Anyway, uh, so you before... fill air with volume, too. It's, it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, filling air is a bit of a, bit of a specialty of mine. Uh so we have a fun episode. We're just going to have a prompt this week. Our prompt is ramen. We're just going to discuss ramen uh, and just skid back and forth and just talk about it because it's something that's very interesting. It's been very trendy in the culinary world the last few years. But before we get into that, I have a fun game. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe it won't be. But I have a game. I learned two new dishes out of nowhere this last two weeks. I found out, that, I found out from them in very strange places. And I want to see if these guys have heard of them. Because I learned about oh, them, shit. researched them, and then actually cooked them, and they came out interestingly. So, and every time I try to scoop Tarver on anything, he's already done it better than me. So, <laughs> this one, at mm-hmm. this point, uh, we're gonna see if we're gonna see if I manage to. I have the memory of a goldfish. I'm sure I'm gonna forget everything we are about. I don't you know. Forget everything except food, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so. Uh, the first dish I learned about from someone online. I was having an online discussion about uh, like Mexican dishes that people don't think of when they think of Mexican food and how, you know, everyone always thinks tacos, enchiladas, burritos, uh, just the, the ceviche, the normal, the normal spread of Mexican food, tortas. Uh, and uh, we were sort of spitballing about what other Mexican food was there. And at the end of the conversation, I left that open and I was like, hey, if anybody else has anything that we haven't talked about, come at me. And the internet's a big place, but only one person did. And it was uh, from the name, I think it was a woman uh, from Central Mexico who said her favorite dish was called chile atole. Uh, that's C-H-I-L-E-A-T-O-L-E. And it is a corn and masa stew with chili peppers. Have you guys ever heard of this? Wait, did you already give the answer to the quiz question? What? You said you were going to list off like a list of ingredients. And we have to guess what it is. No, no, I, I never said it was going to be a quiz. I just wanted to say, see if you guys had heard of this. Have you ever, uh, uh, have you ever encountered chili atole? I have not. That's not. Please explain. So it was an interesting dish. So you start off by just taking corn, like sweet corn kernels, and simmering them in water for longer than you think is a good idea. 
Like, you know how you just blanch corn real quick for a couple of minutes, just enough to, to pop it up? This, you're almost cooking corn in almost into a porridge. Like, not quite to where it breaks down, but definitely until it softens. And then in the water, you throw some salt and some epazote, which is like a mint-like herb that Mexicans yeah. use. And then yeah. on, the, on the side, in the meantime, you make a, a green salsa that would be like poblano chili, uh, a jalapeno, uh, a big handful of spinach, and then some masa, some like corn flour kneaded into masa dough. And so you cool. have this like a chili sauce. And then when the corn has been simmered for about 20 minutes, you take the masa dough and pour it. In, oh, and you also take a, an ear of corn and cut it into like thick slices and simmer those too. Uh, so you've got corn ears cooked into a porridge, but you've also got corn on the actual cob in one inch sections cooking. Then I don't know why you do the corn kernels and the uh, corn slices, but every recipe I saw had that like that. Um, and then when the corn is starting to get quite soft, you sort of swirl in the masa chili sauce that you made and then simmer it until the masa hydrolyzes and thickens the stew. So you have this corn, green chili, and masa. So, ma so it's got the dried corn from the masa and the sweet corn together. So it's this great corn punch. That with, sounds delicious. Flavored, flavored with chilies, episote, and lime juice. And then you serve it in a bowl, garnished with more episote leaves, uh, some corn. Uh, the the recipe that I had had them used uh, some like corn, not 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 corn silk, like corn husks, just pieces of corn husk. I think those were for looks. I tried to eat one, it didn't work out. Uh, and then also a roasted serrano chili <laughs> and a and a bunch of grated uh, like queso fresco. So it was like crumbly. White so it was like cheese. a stew. It was like, like a what's corn the stew. It was like, I think it would be, I think you'd call it an appetizer. How thick? Or like, uh, it got pretty thick, not quite thick as chili, but the masa thickened right up. So it was like. Like a bechamel thick or? Yeah, but well. Or like a, corn chowder, you know, it was, like kind of. It was thicker than, a, it was like a corn fat chowder that had been slightly over thickened, but thickened with masa. So it was like right. corn flavor in all the liquid. Yeah, the weather's mm -hmm. getting cold, man. That sounds good for some cold weather eating. And the thing it's is, autumn. this is perfect for autumn because I feel like yeah. it's really good for end of the season corn. Like you wouldn't want to put, season, yeah. you wouldn't want to put perfect plump sweet corn. It happened that I got the corn at the Mexican store and the corn I got kind of sucked. It was starting to dry out and this couldn't have been a better place to use it, which was a happy accident. But uh, yeah, Chile Atole. Right. Um, there'll be, I'm doing a blog write up on hot dogs and caviar at blogspot.com. You know, <laughs> ABS, always be shilling. Uh, <laughs> But um, that was the first dish I tried that was new. That was last week. And then totally by chance, I learned another Latin American uh, dish this week. Have either of you guys ever heard of pupusas? Pupusas? Oh, I love yeah. eating that. I mean. Are you serious? <laughs> there are pupusa joints like everywhere. Like, really? That is like one of the greatest fucking things in the world. I'd never seen one. I've never heard of one. Jesse Sutton. What? Oh, my God. We have some pupusa eating to do. I mean, oh, I did some God. I did some pupusa eating today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There is a pupuseria uh, in. Um, that is totally not what I thought you said. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I thought Nate was kidding. This is going to be complicated to edit. <laughs> Jesse, um, there is a pupuseria here. There are two of them. There's three. Oh. 
fucking one, four. One, out, one out of one out of two. Stump the tarver. God damn it. <laughs> Dude, papustas are like uh, that's one of the greatest things you can fucking eat, man. Like, and there are like I don't know if you've ever been to an actual like papusteria where no, that's like I, all they do. I have a bar regular where I work that's from El Salvador. And he was telling me about some of his native foods because it was slow and I was just striking up a conversation because that's what bartenders do when there's nothing going on instead of like cleaning or prepping or like what a cook would do. And uh, he started telling me about some of his favorite foods. And I was like, well, I try to learn a new dish every week, every couple of weeks, I'll take that and run with it. Uh, so I went home and looked up a recipe online. I made some masa dough and I went with pupusa de calabasa. So it was like grated Oaxaca cheese, roasted butternut squash. Yes. So what you like, uh, just for the listeners at home, what you do is you make masa like masa dough, like so masa flour, tor- the corn tortilla flour, you make a soft masa dough and then you pat it into like a little little hamburger patty and then you put a filling on one side and fold it over like you're making a like you're making a wonton and you kind of seal it up and then pack it in your hands until you make it back into a circle and then pat it out flat like a pancake and griddle it and then you serve it alongside cortito which is this vinegary spicy cabbage slaw awesome and it's so good it's, it's so, just amazing. so 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 good it was this was i thought this was gonna be a fun experiment because i i rarely sneak anything past harper so i feel like one out of two <laughs> ain't bad that's batting 500 man that's 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 like ted williams on a good day so i'm okay with the way this played out Tarver, 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 you jerk where 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 are you seeing because the thing is el salvadorian food just isn't around in south carolina but it also yeah I never saw it in Chicago either. Where are you? Is it is it like in Virginia? Do you have an El Salvador? Eat, I like. I'm I'm very surprised that you, met, that you haven't heard of that because it, it just must not be in your area because uh, that is a. I, I can't think. I mean, there are propusterias in Virginia Beach. When I went to go visit my family, there's like they're all over the place up here. Nate, have DC. you seen this? No, never heard of it. They're like wonton pancakes made of masa. Dude, yeah, and like the, even like the the uh queso pupusas uh, there's a pupuseria um in percival virginia where i am uh that has like 10 of i mean there's like pescado there's uh there were so many filling options i just went with one i mean you can put anything in a pupusa and it's awesome and like the thing about pupusas though i have to say yeah get it i I understand like you get a pizza like i mean like there's dough conditioners putting into fucking dominoes and all that kind of shit so that like it tastes good later and the next day pupusas you fucking eat that shit there like don't leave like go like pupusas suck after just a few minutes they don't suck they're just not as good there's no such thing as espresso to go drink it at (laughs) the counter (laughs) yeah eat it there like you need to get that thing right off the griddle like especially and like you need to find the ones that are used the really good masa flour you can get like crap masa flour and like some places they just order like these mass-produced stale sometimes like musty masa flours and they don't taste right they kind of have like a little bit of an unpleasant funk to them i get the bet one- i was using crappy masa flour because i was using I, the masa that's flour. what i was just i bet you that's where i went awry many years ago is when i was messing with masa and I probably just had crappy masa. I because yeah. I had no idea. I don't know what a good brand is. I didn't know what I would well, I, Man, that's I a huge that, like, difference. A huge difference. There's there's a brand, I'm trying to remember the name, but it's like a um, bright, almost neon orange uh bag. Like I, we used to get it from IGF. You can find it in a lot of like international food stores, but like 
I mean, just like, like uh, usually when you make pupusas, like you add like scorched, like scalded water to like masa flour with salt, you know? And like, mm-hmm. as soon as you add the water, your entire kitchen smells like tortillas. Like it's like oh, really, really fragrant, oh, brand new. And like, it just hydrates instantly. That's how, that's another reason, you know, like it's really good stuff. Um, but this pupuseria in Percival, the last time I went there, I, I walked in and typical fat fuck me. Like, I'm like, I was like, I went in there thinking like, oh, I'll just get like a, a pork propuser or something. I look at the menu, there's like 12 of them. I was like, holy shit, I'll take one of all of them. And then they gave me like, <laughs> I'll just take one of all. So I, I walked out with 12. I went in there looking for one and I left with 12 and all 12 were fucking awesome. Tonight um, for dinner, I had, I had three and they were the vegetarian ones. Oh, I would have loved to have made the pork ones, but I just, I didn't like, I wanted to get this done today. And the, the calabasa, yeah. the squash and cheese, that was, that was a filling I could throw together in 45 minutes. So I went that direction just cause I'm, I'm already learning something new, but uh, you know what? I, I, really... I don't know what the pupusa is called, but there's one that um, it has chorizo in it, but what makes it awesome is they cook the pupusa in rendered chorizo fat. Oh, so, like, word. In... <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, and like the entire thing is like slick and red with like trees of fat. You know, it's Did, anytime, oh my God. I, anytime I have a new dish that I've tried out for the blog and I haven't done the write up yet, I'm going to run it past Tarver because I know he's probably going to have something awesome to say. This was, oh, a, no. this was a completely successful segment, in my opinion. Nate, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Go Absolutely. get pupusas. Always, always. Yeah. We, we, now, we, now we've all heard about the time where Tarver ordered one of each of all 12 pupusas. Have you ever? I done want stickers that say "Eat rapa? more pupusa." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. pupusa is objectively fun to say. Uh, Nate's barely uh, said anything there. He's just laughing as an asshole. Yeah. He's like, he's like Robin Quivers on Howard Stern, he's just dying over there in the corner. <laughs> oh, you guys! That's oh my god! Oh my god! If oh I can god. like tap in and like where we're going with this, like, have you ever had arepas? Or sopa, I've had I've had sopes, sopes. Am I saying it wrong? I'm probably saying so, it wrong. sopes. Little Mexican boats made of masa. Yeah, so it's like really thick. Like also, yeah, I yeah. can only uh, equate to it as like a thick flour tortilla. With it's almost like a a tartine, but it's it's a Mexican flour. I call it ma- masa cake, maybe. Yeah, masa cake. I made those. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the different like a uh, uh, sope for me is like a pupusa where the topping just goes on top instead of inside. Um, yeah yeah and then arepa i've never had one but i've seen i actually looked them up because i read that pupusas were similar to arepas i yeah. also don't have an arepa place around here but a friend of mine if you were from- to if you were to cross a pupusa with uh a sopa so <clears throat> you would have sope thank you i would no. you would have an arepa like yeah, arepa my- is basically like a thick um masa flour cake um very similar to like a sopa like, it's like really like almost like a very similar to a um Papusa, but it's like a little bit thicker and like you know really chewy and soft and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for like, I have a Puerto Rican friend that she was telling me about her at best. Tell me about something I need to get. So in. good, they're so good. One of your there's episodes. a good joke in there somewhere. I just Way can't deep. find it's find the very, wording. It's very deep in there. But it's, it's definitely there. Very that deep. <laughs> let's and with that, let's move on. Let's move on before this descends into insanity. All right. Well. um, in that case, uh, here's the jump off. The topic is ramen. Um, I think Wait, we all- can I please say something? 
Can yeah. I interject before yes. we move on into the you subject? May, you may your motion your granted. Motion <laughs> granted. <laughs> I'll allow it. The, la- the last two episodes you guys did were absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And like, I mean, volume, like uh, cooking by ratio, cooking by volume. Um, I, I like, not, not only was it just brilliant, like I feel like that is a lot of the future of recipe writing, cuisine in general. That's how we've been working. Like we've spent, I'm, try, I'm trying to like condense like a mountain of fucking things I want to say into like a, in a, into a little bit, but like we have been, ever since we worked together at Woodlands and we started and like Moleskine books came out in the very beginning and like we were like holy shit that's like the stuff the book that indiana jones used to write in and we thought it was super cool we started writing like all our recipes and those things they i got like a stack of them like this big and like i like i spent years compiling those things into google drive so that we like, anytime we had a new hire i could just add them as you know like a user or whatever and if they sucked and we fired them like i could take them out you know they you know they only have like instant access but i could just say like hey pull up blank recipe i need a three times of that or whatever to to add on to that like there are we we didn't get this deep into it but you can use it's the same thing as as microsoft excel but google sheets like you can like put recipes in and like and multiply and add sums and all that kind of stuff Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting way off track here. The point is, is that the volume using thing like you, Nate, you mentioned Henderson, Brian, like that yep. is still our standard Brian yep. for everything. That being said, have you ever done equilibrium brining? Yes, many. You equilibrium brining, you have Nate, to have check, more check, patience. Stop, 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 cut, cut, cut. Nate, say again, you glitched out real bad. Uh, I was just going to say, tell people about equilibrium brining. That's <laughs> Dude, yeah. Like, uh, it's uh, You have to have a little bit more patience because it definitely takes a little bit longer. Um, and I am not going to have my percentages off the top of my head. This is why I use things like Google to remind me of things and I write everything down. But like, you know, poultry, if I remember right, is like one and a half percent or two. Like, you know, pork. No, no, no. It's like one and a half percent. Like pork, we use two percent um but you basically brine you put a um, protein into water in a certain container you measure and you pour off the amount of water that you needed to cover that protein you measure out by weight two percent in salt and for pork for example and then you let it brine, and you can let it brine for far longer than you would with a gradient brine like the henderson brine mm-hmm. well that's the whole I, point I, like the whole point of equilibrium is that the idea is that you get the water to yeah. where when it's perfectly brined, there's the same amount of water, there's the same amount of salt in the water as there is in the food. So if you let it sit in there for an extra week, that's probably not a great idea from a shelf life standpoint, but it won't brine any further. You said right. it, yeah. once it, it, it equ- gonna... reaches equilibrium, it'll never overbrine. It's slower and it takes a long, a lot longer because there's less osmotic pressure and it takes longer and it's slower, but it also eliminates like, oh no, I forgot to pull the chicken out of the Henderson brine. Right, because who among, us, <laughs> who among us hasn't had that happen? I remember Nate, yep. out, Nate, Nate walks <laughs> yeah. out of the walk-in with a, with a five gallon Cambro full of duck legs and just walks into the kitchen and yells, God damn it all. And they had been in there for like an extra week. I mean, it was like, they'd gotten pushed to the back of the walk-in and then weird shit happened. And like, 
then all of a sudden we're like, okay, these are you have duck salt. ham now. Not yeah. even. <laughs> you have duck salt. <laughs> but it's the osmotic have, pressure, yeah. man. That's exactly what it is. Like when when you use like gradient, any type of brine, and you're using osmosis, and you're making the cells swell with moisture. Uh-huh. Equilibrium equilibrium brining is far more of that of that effect, where like it ends up so much juicier than it ever could before. You just have to like have the patience for it. But the only thing is like gradient brining. Like I don't know if you ever done like really long corning of. I mean, Nate mm-hmm. and Jesse, do you remember? I don't know if you'll remember this. It was one of the, I think the, what, when you were just telling that story, it reminded me of it. We were brining oxtails and we forgot them and they brined for like three weeks. It was a long time, <laughs> a long time. They were completely corned. I mean, they were like completely uh-huh. corned. When we cooked them, they were like the most juiciest, craziest, juiciest oxtails I've ever. Like it was almost like, um, I, like like I we like we had to try and figure out ways to use it. Like it was so ju- like so tender. Like it was just like melt. Like either had like, almost had no texture at all. Like eating a cloud or something like that. But I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. The the brining like that that is a perfect use of ratios. You Jesse, you mentioned country pate. Do you remember the pate de campaign that we worked on and we went through like fifty or so recipes that oh, yeah. same pate that same french country pate i still use now like all the time that is a perfect same example here, ratio. man but that's another ratio that i wanted to like commend you guys on because jesse you mentioned you like the the differences of using different proteins in something like a pate or a sausage uh nate you had mentioned in another episode you know over the over the last few podcasts or whatever but like using different proteins in something like a pate by ratio and volume to create a certain texture. Like if you use nothing but lean sirloin to make meatloaf, you would have this dry grainy crap. Mm-hmm. But if you were to like use a certain ratio of beef and veal, and then you're, and you wanted more mouthfeel and you incorporated something like sweetbread or brain or liver, like you would end up like with these different textures, like these creamier textures. That, that 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 was one of the things that, that I, I just blew my mind. I completely forgot of how we used to work on those ratios to get that pate de campaign perfect. Like there was a certain ratio of like pork, pork belly, sweetbread to get this super silky, creamy, perfect, but still meaty texture. Like but like doing like a creme brulee. Like we made the pate de campaign. Did, did the pressing and all that kind of stuff, all, blah, 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 all that stuff with the bacon wrapped around it, coated in sugar and brulee it so it was like crispy. That sounds like, great. Dude, it was so fucking good, man. And then just like certain like acidulated condiment, you know, like uh, components, uh, like pickles and vinegars and that kind of thing. It balances, but when you heat it and you melt some of those fats, that ratio of protein is perfect it's so perfect like there's the lean proteins that give body the fattier proteins that give moisture and the softer proteins that give texture but is i i like listening to those last two podcasts you guys did was just like refreshing to me like it was just i just wanted i I just want to take a second to say high five virtually you guys killed it that was awesome i'm glad you enjoyed it you know it's funny when you talk about the pate recipe because as nate and i went on 
we actually were using that pate because that pate the thing about the woodlands pate that was so cool was it was almost spreadable it wasn't spreadable yeah it was almost spreadable um that was what would that was what we worked on for we so long dialed that, we that amount of liver in just right but later, later on nate and i were doing pate uh we were grilling it a lot grilling it or searing it yeah so we yep. actually we so we changed the ratio we backed off on the liver and pushed more shoulder in because we wanted Ooh. a firmer texture so it's all about manipulating your variables like if mm -hmm. you want your pate to be almost spreadable up the liver up the fat yeah. if you want your pate to not disintegrate into the grill and break your heart because you spent 100 hours on it then up the protein up the lean protein yeah. back the liver off it's all about manipulating variables you're like you're like you're, absolutely the right. you're like and the especially you mentioned like using like grams and, and, and ratios for bread baking you're absolutely right but think about pasta like there are different i mean nate it's I'm, all I'm, math it's all math and it's all ratios like there are certain types of pasta like if you're filling a pasta drying a pasta you're just like doing like fresh noodles or whatever like there are certain ratios holy shit can i say something can this be broadcasting to the public weigh your eggs like people make like oh you just add nope. like i need two egg yolks and egg yolks or whatever like every egg no. yolk weighs no, no, a no, fraction no, no, differently no 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 well especially yeah. the more the bigger a batch you're doing the more you have to do that if yeah you could make it if you're making something with two eggs the chances of being a little bit off are not that big if you're making something with 75 eggs weigh those eggs yeah don't trust Dude. a recipe that says crack 100 <laughs> eggs trust do you remember the raviolis imp yeah. impersonating ducks or how do we say it the, or duck uh -huh. uh, yeah that was it it was raviolis or raviolis pretending ducks. yeah 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 those were so cool man and the filling those was, are fucking cool the filling was 50-50 shredded duck confit and uh, Heston Blumenthal's uh, chicken liver mousse. That's another ratio. Oh, my God. So, like, that. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going off. So, like, Heston <laughs> Blumenthal's liver parfait. You had mentioned it, and I think in one of the – or you had mentioned a liver pate in, like, one of the, one of the, one of the episodes. But, like, Heston Blumenthal's lip, liver parfait is still, like, the best liver pate I've ever had. Yep. But I have to send you – variables different ratios you should put them on the blog if you wanted to but like yeah oyster parfait mushroom parfait like carrot parfait like whoa o oyster parfait like oh my god and then like like base that it with bacon. awesome dude base it with a little bacon fat and a few splashes of like vinegar like it's one of the greatest things <laughs> ever ever but it's like it all like we took the ratio of heston's liver parfait and use like and then like we tried it with raw oysters and then cooked oysters we did it with like and then we when then we moved on to vegetables we did like carrot and squash and uh mushroom and all those kind of things and like and like cooked mushroom so that, you, you took the formula of the heston blumenthal parfait and manipulated yeah. it by removing the central ingredient and replacing it with a bunch of crazy shit the yes so like just that's like it. how that's it, what the uh, last couple episodes were all about yeah i know that's why yep, it was so absolutely variables and controlling them and like then once you have that ratio and you have that formula you can you know you control the controllables you vary what you want to vary and you know even whether it's just you know like texture and temperature varying that to keep the palate excited or you want to vary all different kinds of ingredients it's so cool man and that's cooking damn i love you guys fucking <laughs>
I said, yes, <laughs> yes. So like the liver part, like it was all about like the, the density of the final product, like a liver when it's cooked is a certain density and oyster when it's cooked is a certain density a vegetable, et cetera, et cetera. And then adjusting like, you know, moisture contents and that kind of thing. Do you, oh my God, I just love you guys. I'm sorry, I could go off. <laughs> try, try, um, I've had some whiskey. We like love that. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, um, we have roundly failed to get at the topic at hand. Uh, so, in the interest of time, we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to go ahead and call this uh, for the moment, uh, but to be continued uh, because uh, I don't. Yeah. Want, we don't want the episode of the podcast to end up being an hour fifty. So we've learned that like shorter episodes are better. People have a, a little easier time connecting with them. So a lot gonna... more I want to say. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh my God. Tarver, I know. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to go ahead and break. Uh, Speakeasy is going to play us out of here. Uh, uh, we'd like to thank uh, Tarver, Super King King for appearing. Tarver, say something ridiculous. Uh, Tampopo is a really fucking great. I can't think of it. What do you mean? You're putting me on the spot. I don't think Good enough. Really. No, that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> So uh, eat you know, your papusa. Eat your papusa. I am uh, the uh, <laughs> I'm the mouth of the South, Jesse Sutton, speaking for uh, Nate Spin Cake Whiting and Tarver Super King King. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on part one of uh, Hot Dogs and Caviar Cocktail Hour. However, uh, part two, we're going to start cutting it again in like one minute. So uh, just tune in next week. Uh, same Hot Dogs and Caviar time, uh, same Hot Dogs and Caviar channel. And by same time, I mean Tuesday, because sometimes it goes we're up still at drunk. Two. Sometimes it goes yeah. at 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> It'll be the same buzz next my, week. My dad totally has a dealership. <laughs> All right, All right so we're, we're going to break. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, tune in uh, next week for the continuation of this absolutely balls ridiculous conversation. Uh, this has been uh, Hot Dogs and Caviar signing off. Come on, come on, come on, little baby. My little darling, my little sister. Come on, baby, just keep your head up. Come on, baby, just keep your head up. Come on.